Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those of you that have just returned to the island, I saw a couple of our our part-timers who have returned after the summer, or if you're a visitor, uh, this sermon's a little different. We have been doing, for those of you that have been here, a sermon series through uh, the first eight chapters of Romans, what is known as Paul's Gospel. And this morning we're going to take a commercial break. What does a commercial do? Pays for the program, right? You got it. We're going to be talking about stewardship. That could be the reason why we're a little thin this morning. The word got out. But it's interesting how, you know, at this time of year, we often think about, we do think about, especially as a vestry, as a staff, the programming, we think about that thing we call stewardship. And stewardship is such a vital part of the church, and it's much, much more than simply giving money. And if that's what you think stewardship is about, then you've really misunderstood what God is about with the whole notion and idea of stewardship, of which giving money is a part of. And this commercial break, as crass as that might sound, is about paying for what is at the heart of God which is the expansion of his kingdom, which is his provision for not only a place for us to worship and fellowship and care, but to reach out to the community and to reach out to the world. This is the mission of the church. And the church is a part of his mission. And God's design and desire is that we support the church so that the church can do the mission, which is about the heart of God. And the readings that we have for today... I chose these readings. The first one, I mean, I love this reading from Malachi. And, and the first time I read Malachi, by the way, I thought it was Malachi. You know, the Italian prophet, the mafia guy, who talks about tithing. You need to give, you know what I mean? No, but... <laughs> He doesn't do that. No, but he talks about how if we don't tithe, we're actually robbing the Lord. That we're not giving him what is his due in the minimum. And tithe, by the way, is tenth part. Just so there's no mistake. It's not just about giving something to the Lord. It's about a tenth. That's what the word tithe means. It's a serious thing. It's an investment of ourselves. And when you know where 10% of your income is going, you pay attention. And oftentimes you're invested. If you were to look at all the various areas you spend money, that you give of yourself and your resources, you will begin to see your priorities. And what God wants is for who He is and what He's about and His mission and recognizing everything that He's given to you. All that you are, all that you have is from Him. 
that He has a call for you to give back to Him. And that's something from the beginning. We're actually going to refer to several people that we've been talking about in Romans the last few weeks. We have mentioned Adam and Eve. We've mentioned Abraham. We've mentioned Moses. And I want to talk about each one of them. Because, you know, the first place where we begin to understand the whole notion and idea of stewardship is in the Garden of Eden with, with Adam and Eve. That's the first place we co- become acquainted with it. Because really, when God gave them the garden, it wasn't theirs to own. It was theirs to be stewards of, if you really understand it, to care for. And you know what's interesting? is initially, when they received it, and they're walking around the garden with the Father, and everything is wonderful, and everybody's getting along great. And then they decide, because of the temptation of Satan, that they wanted to be in charge. They wanted everything to be, be theirs. They wanted to be God. That things went sideways. Fast forward. All of us have been created by God. All of us have been given all that we are and all that we have. And when we're born, one of the first couple of words we learn, Mama and Dada, soon turn to Mine. What a surprise. Mine and me and my. We learn that quickly. Just like Adam and Eve. Originally everything was working great. And then they said, I want it. And I want to be in charge. But you know the first time that we actually run into the word tithe and the practice of tithe is with Abraham. The father of faith that we talked about when we talked about Romans 4. And you'll read of Abraham tithing and being committed to the tithe, and then you'll see it come through his family that his grandson Jacob, in Genesis chapter 28, also is committed to tithing. And in fact, when you begin to read through the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the books of Moses, Four out of the first five books of the Old Testament will refer to tithing as normative practice for the Jewish people, for the Hebrew people, for God's people. And the only one that doesn't talk about tithing is Exodus. And Exodus is the book where God rescues his people. He frees them. He does miraculous acts. They experience the Passover. And then they come out and God gives them the Ten Commandments over and over again. What you see in Exodus is God giving, giving, giving. And the rest of the books of of the first five books, the books of Moses, are about giving back. And this is a significant part. Okay, let's fast forward a little more. People get settled in Canaan. They're blessed. It's not long before they forget about the tithe. And so who did God always have to call the people back to what his call is on their lives? The prophets. And one of the prophets that says it, in my mind, one of the best ways is Malachi or Malachi. Okay? He says, do you recognize what you're doing? You're robbing God. How can God's work take place as effectively? 
How can ministry take place? How can outreach take place? And see if I won't bless you if you begin to trust me. And then what happens is the people become disobedient and the temple falls and the people are exiled and then they come back. And Ezra builds the temple and Nehemiah builds the wall right around 500, 400 something B.C. And Nehemiah talks about the tithe. Hey, if we're going to be able to do the work of God, we need to invest. And the Pharisees took that on. They became preeminent in the teaching of Scripture throughout the people of Israel. 400 to 200 B.C., they established themselves. And then unfortunately what happened is, for the Pharisees, the tithe became something legalistic. It even became, as Jesus points out in this particular reading, a source of greed and self-indulgence. Because really what they recognize as the religious leaders is that, you know, if we give a lot, we can get a lot of attention, we can rise to the top. You know, our businesses that we own, you know, they'll take off. And so instead of doing it because they were giving out of the generosity of their hearts, they were doing it to get attention. Which is the wrong reason. They were doing it to lift themselves up, which some people do, by the way. You know, it's amazing. We can posture ourselves however we want. You recognize that, right? We can pretend we have, we can pretend we don't have. And part of it, oftentimes, is about the timing. A number of years ago, earlier in my time here, one of the people on my vestry, it was during stewardship season, and they were at a gathering at a country club on the island. And this one guy was talking about, this is before the recession, how well his portfolio was doing. And he was doing really great, and things were great, and everything was rolling. She called him for the stewardship campaign. He said, oh, I'm really going through a rough time. I don't have a whole lot right now. Who's he kidding? Who's he posturing for? You see, that's the question. When we do what we do, As Christians, who are we doing it for and why? That's really the big question. Are we doing it because we want to look good? Are we doing it because we want to impress people? Are we doing it out of duty or it's the right thing to do? Or are we doing it because we're seeking the Lord? And what we discover when we really seek the Lord, and we seek Him with all of our heart, just look at some of the examples that are given in Scripture when people come to the Lord, and they understand what His call is on their lives. You've got people like Zacchaeus, that when he was confronted, there was this tax collector, I mean, he was abusive to people, and then he repented, and he gave half of everything away. And then you've got this widow, this poor widow, who gives all of her money, and Jesus points it out. And then you've got the apostles who say to Jesus, Lord, we've left everything. Now that's not necessarily what he's calling everybody here to. He might be. I don't know. I don't know what he's calling you to. But I do know that he's calling everyone to the tithe and beyond. I know that. 
And the question is, are you open to hearing it? Are you open to practicing it? Because, see, tithing and stewardship is so much greater than just giving money. And really, if that's all you walk away from this place hearing today, you've missed it. Because first and foremost, giving to the Lord is an act of worship. If you really understand what it's about. Because the word worship comes from, and many of you have heard this, worship. What in your life is of worth? Because it will show by how you give of yourself, your time, your talent, your energy, your resource. And what worship is, is we're saying, we want to serve you, Lord. We want to honor you, Lord. And He gives us the way and what that looks like. What is of worth in your life? Because it will be reflected in how you spend your time and how you spend yourself. And you know, the thing is, is that we're always playing games with priorities in our lives, too. You know, that's why he does this whole, Jesus does this whole gnat and camel thing. Did you catch that? You know, where you have camels, by the way, you usually have gnats. And he says, which one are you going to strain out? You're straining out the gnats. And the camel's what's you're missing. Now we can look at that in one of two ways. That you're so focused on the superficial, you miss the big picture. That's one way to look at it. And see, that's so often what we do. What God is looking for is that we honor Him first and foremost. He is the big thing in our life. And all the other things become secondary. And how quickly we are willing to give Him up, depending upon the situation in our lives and the circumstance in our lives. And even the primary expression of worship coming here on Sunday mornings. I hear the excuses. Well, you know, when I went to a sporting event this weekend. Okay. So where'd you worship? Well, you know, it was late night. Oh, so, okay. That's more important. Well, no. So you to make provision for your walk with the Lord, for time for Him. I had family in town. Okay. Did you bring them? Well, no, they didn't want to come. Did you come as a witness? No, they wanted me to be there. What are you saying? See, sometimes we focus on the small stuff, instead of focusing on the Lord and the big stuff and what His call is in our, on our lives. And we can do that in so many areas. It doesn't just have to be about worship, but worship sets the tone. How we give of ourselves, how we give of our time, how we give of our energy. What does worship mean to you? What does the big stuff and the small stuff mean in your lives. You know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Because he wants you to be blessed in your relationships. He wants you to be blessed in your life. He wants you to have all that you need. But so often we focus on the other things, and we forget about the primary focus, which is him and his word. Who or what is big in your life? Who or what do you really worship? 
That's the question. And he's calling us back to himself. So that he's the focus of our heart and our lives. And our priorities reflect it. And you want to get a sense of his priorities? Look in his word. Don't look to your own wants and desires. Look to his word. You know, the reality is is that when we focus on worship, stewardship becomes an exercise of our faith. Not just an empty practice. Not just a duty. Not just tipping God or appeasing my conscience. It becomes an expression of faith. And if you're not giving much, how much faith is really involved? If you think about it, if you're giving what is convenient, what is easy, what is left over, where's the faith involved in that? If you're not giving so that you have to pay attention to your giving, then it's not really exercising faith. When you decide right from the beginning that you're going to give the tithe to the Lord, the 10% to the Lord, then you have to pay attention to the rest. I know because we've done it all our married life, Meredith and I. And you will care. You will care about God's kingdom when you're invested with the whole of your being. See, what he was calling the Pharisees to is an inward transformation. Not just the outward. We can fake it. We can pretend. We can put on the religious thing. You know what I mean? We can look the part. But who knows, really, how much you're giving? Who knows whether you're giving sacrificially to the Lord of yourself in any way, shape, or form? The Lord does. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll know. And that's why he was talking about hypocrisy, being a hypocrite. You know, the word hypocrisy comes from actor or actress. It's wearing a mask, which is what all the actors did back then because they were all male. And they all wore masks when they were in plays. This is the week of hypocrisy, by the way. This is Halloween. When there's masks, you know what I mean? But the thing is, at the end of Halloween, you're supposed to take the mask off, right? See, the question is, do you ever really take the mask off? Have you ever really honest to yourself? Do you live an honest life? Or are you just pretending? Are we selective about how we live our life and where and when we live our life? Do we put on for people? You know, I don't know how many of you saw the paper this week. I already referred to this on Wednesday night. I loved this as soon as I saw this because I thought to myself, I will definitely use this in a sermon. The headline in the Island Packet on Monday, Transparency Talks Continue in Secret.
What a great headline. What are they saying? What they're saying is, we're going to talk about how we want to posture ourselves and what we want to reveal, and then we're going to tell everybody. Well, how transparent is that? See, that's the game we try to play with ourselves, with God, with other people. Instead of just being honest and transparent and upfront, because we have nothing to hide. We're just trying to live a faithful life, and we all fall short. The point is not being perfect or looking perfect in everybody's eyes. The point is walking faithfully and growing in that faith. Growing in that trust. If you're not giving of yourself, extending yourself, stretching yourself, where's the faith? Where's the faith? You know, I mentioned just a few moments ago that Meredith and I have been tithers since we were married. And there were times that that's been very, very difficult in our lives. In our early years of marriage when we were struggling and then when we, um, when we were in seminary, that was pretty dire at times. And I've told this story in discovery class, and I'm, I'm going to tell it again so some of you have heard it before, that as we were coming out of seminary, we virtually had nothing. I mean, all we had was our clothes, a little bit of furniture. And the church that had um, called me to be a seminarian for two years had grown enough to call me as an assistant, but they couldn't afford to pay a whole lot, and Meredith and I felt like we were supposed to go there. So we're starting to look for housing, and Meredith is pregnant with our first child, Bethany. So we are driving around the area where this church is. And, you know, mostly what we saw was lime green and pink in the bathrooms, in the kitchen, and shag carpet. It was not encouraging for Meredith. I didn't give a rip. For Meredith, it was not encouraging. So we stopped and got gas, and then we went to Burger King next door, and we prayed. And remember, she's pregnant, so she's emotional. So we finished praying, and she starts crying. And... I said, it's going to be all right, and she's crying. And this guy comes over. I don't think he heard us talking at all because he came out of the blue. He came over, and he handed us a $50 bill, and he said, God told me to give this to you. I was in shock. No one's ever given me a $50 bill before. And this, remember, was in the mid-'80s, so it was worth more then. And when I got to my senses, I got up to try to find him, and he was gone. He wasn't waiting for the applause, the thank you. He was being faithful to God. And what that in turn said to us is, I've got you. I've got you. You don't have to worry. I've got you. And we never did since. doesn't mean that we didn't go through tough times again. Anytime we moved, it was difficult. And we'd have to start over again when we came here. God has always been faithful. My mom said to me one time before she died, actually more than one time, she said, God, I've watched you. God is always taking care of you. 
And I tried to be a positive witness and say, I know, Mom, that's because we just try to honor him and serve him and give to him. And he is faithful. But I felt like saying, duh. (laughs) Because he is. And most people never exercise the faith to see that. Because they're too busy serving their desires and their wants. To recognize he's provided for their needs. And he has a call on their lives. Now don't think I'm looking at any of you as if I'm pointing a finger. Because I have no idea what you give. Which is very freeing for me. Because I can just say this to everyone. But I know some of you are not exercising faith. I know it. Because our church could be doing so much more. And the question is, do we trust him as a church? Because it doesn't happen accidentally. It's a discipline. It is a spiritual discipline to give to the Lord. Think about the disciplines of your life. That if you're not exercising discipline in a particular area or practice, you will atrophy. If you're not working out or walking or doing something, your muscles will atrophy. If you're not practicing a musical instrument, your skill will go through some atrophy. You know, the thing is, is that We notice oftentimes the surface with athletes, with actors or actresses, with singers, performers. We don't recognize everything that's behind it. See, people don't know our commitment to the Lord. They don't always know it. What you do behind the scenes, God knows. But it is what is behind the scenes, what is inside, that will come out and affect the giving of your life, the stewardship of your life, your faith and your faithfulness. And it takes discipline. You've got to decide you're going to do it. And then you make the decision and you craft your life around that discipline. Anybody who's ever done anything to get to a certain place in life, in a sport, with an instrument, in school, you know it takes discipline to get there. And stewardship is a spiritual discipline that we are meant to grow in and learn more and more of what giving is about. The word disciple is related to the word discipline. We need to learn from him. We need to grow in him. We need to follow him. And how did Jesus live? Sacrificially. Giving of himself. That's the call he has on our lives. I want to remind you, I've already said it, but I want to remind you, tithe means tenth part. So when you think of tithe, it's not just giving something. It's tithing, it's giving that tenth percent or more. And if you notice what Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees when he was challenging them, he called it the least. He called it the least. 
Because if you really understand justice and mercy, when he says justice and mercy, the practice of justice and mercy, justice means that we give proportionally. In other words, if you've been given a lot, if you give 10% of your income, you're going to end up giving more to the Lord than if someone who doesn't have as much. See, because that's just, that we give proportionally. To whom much is given, much is required. If you've been given a lot, you might end up giving a lot. I one time said in a sermon several years ago, you know, if you begrudge the person who can't afford to give more than 1000 or $2,000 because they don't make that much, why don't you swap your 90% with them? See how that goes. See, it's not about giving what so-and-so gives. It's not about looking around at other people. It's not about looking at the bottom line of the budget. It's about giving what the Lord calls you to give, which is a tithe. And beyond, there's the mercy. Given to the widow and to the orphan. That we give above and beyond the tithe if you really understand it. See, God's call in our life is more than most of us really think is practical, relevant, contemporary. We think that's kind of back then. When Jesus refers to it as the least, he says, look, these you should be doing, but justice and mercy, the big stuff. The big stuff. That when you exercise faith, you will naturally begin to look at God and he will direct you in what justice looks like and what mercy looks like. And when it comes to stewardship, he wants to be just and fair. 10% across the board. That way he's not showing any favoritism. And then mercy above and beyond that if you're capable. Give to others. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it costly? Yes. But it's what he calls you to. You know, so often we react and what I mean by that is some of you are reacting right now to what I just said. And you can do that. You can do the pushback thing. You can do the discount. You can do the rationalize or justify thing in your own mind. I want you to respond. I want you to take in what I'm saying. I want you to think about it and pray about it from God's perspective, from God's word. And then I want you to respond. You've got two weeks before we'll ask for a pledge from you. And if you're not a member here, you might be thanking God right now. I don't know. <laughs> but I want you to go back to your other church. Give generously today. I mean, how much is a nice dinner out, you know? Hopefully you're getting a good meal here. But the reality is, that God wants you to respond and he wants you to respond intentionally and he wants you to respond with faith if you really understand what we're about. He wants you to give sacrificially because of what he gave sacrificially to you in Jesus Christ. And if you think in your mind that it is not practical today to do that, I want you to think back to then. When a poor person had one outfit and a middle class person maybe had two, which is why Jesus challenged the middle class to give away your second cloak if someone asked for it. And the rich person might have three, four, half a dozen. 
And a really wealthy, per wealthy person might have 20. Look in your closet. I think you have more than that. A poor person had a house that was just enough to fit everybody in. A middle class person might have an extra room. Most people did not have second homes. Most people did not go on vacations except for the feasts and the festivals when God provided in their calendar for that. And then they would come together with God at the center and fellowship shared with one another being the wonderful gift of going away together. Do you think it's a challenge now to tithe? Think about back then. With their housing, and our houses are much bigger, with their clothing, and we have so much more. Don't discount the scriptures or the past. Be challenged by them. Because we have been blessed so much. If you think about it, everyone in this room is in the top 5% in the world in terms of wealth. And some of you are in the top 1% or higher. God has blessed you for a reason. Because he wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to facilitate the expansion of his kingdom. He wants you to help him build his kingdom and provide ministry starting here and emanating from here. And it can't happen without your faithful stewardship. For you to really understand what worship is about. The giving of yourself to him who gave himself for you. An expression of faith that is not a faith of convenience or ease or requires no faith at all. And discipline, that there's a cost involved. I want you to just bow for a moment. And I want you to think about some questions as you pray about this. What has God's provision for your life been? And what is his priorities? And what are we able to do when we really trust him and his power in our lives? As stewards, not owners. Is it going to be God's way or your way? The God who walked with Adam and Eve? And Adam and Eve said, mine. The God who gave Jesus to us. And we crucified him. The God, when he walked the earth, in his son Jesus, modeled sacrificial love. What is going to be your model? Can you take small, state, small steps in faith, but commit to get there? And operate through your worship by faith that expects God to move. Faith that really requires trust and discipline. Lord God, you have blessed us in so many ways. And so often, we're willing to spend on ourselves. Spend for this world. Invest ourselves in so many activities. And neglect that which is most important.
our worship of you, our trust in you, and our response as a disciple. Lord, I pray this day that you would impress upon our hearts and our minds what you're calling us to, to give of ourselves, not just in the stewardship of our resources, but in our time and in our talent. Lord, that we would take serious what it means to worship you, what it means to walk by faith, what it means to be your disciple and walk in the footsteps of your son, Jesus, in his sacrificial love. And we pray this in his precious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.